Okay, so I'm just going to do a boring preach now. Everything's just great, and we love God, and it's all good, and blah, 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 stuff like that. Ah, oh, thanks, mate. I'm not actually going to do a boring preach. <laughs> or am I? Oh, it's feisty in the room. Bit rowdy at our Pentecost. Sunday. All right. Call the police. Evening, everyone. If you don't know me, my name's Nigel. Part of the team here at Woody's. And yeah, I'm doing a boring preach on the church being boring. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to try not to do a boring preach. Um, I'll, see, I'll see how we go. I don't know whether you're kind of used to being in church or not. I used to go to church as a kid. And we went to a very small church where I grew up. It was a brethren church. It was called a brethren chapel. And basically, it was very quiet. And I had to go in, had to dress up, had to wear my kind of Sunday clothes. And all I remember was that I had to sit still. This was very important. I had to sit still and I had to be quiet. These were two things I was not able to do ever for the entire week. All right? Sitting still was not one of my spiritual gifts. I like running around a lot. And generally, even if I was on a chair, I'd be all like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to sit still. And then the other thing is being quiet. My nickname was The Noise by my older brother. And I was a drummer. So I was constantly tapping on things. And and basically, louder is better. So that's what I had to do. So all I remember being in church is that I had to sit on my chair and like I would be in big trouble if I kind of wiggled or moved too much. I had to be very quiet. And if I lasted sort of, I don't know how long it went on, then mum would get the biscuits out of the bag and we could have a biscuit. So that's all I remember waiting for is the biscuit. I can't really remember much else about church. That was about it. Being quiet and being still. Oh, I long for those days now. Oh, it'd be lovely. <laughs> I don't know if you've had experience of being in church, found it, found it a bit boring. All oh, the sermons going on a bit. Oh, gosh, I could be home right now having a great time. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you have. I've heard lots of people say that to me over the years about church. Like, oh, it's a bit boring. It's a bit. T- I'm not really into it anymore. I went for a bit. Isn't really my thing. And I can understand that, to be honest. Do you know why? The thing is, I sometimes get bored sitting in church. And the worst thing is, it's my job. The thing is, I organise the services. We've got a little piece of paper here. It has everything on it about what happens when and the timings. And we got it all worked out. And I'm still bored. And that's my fault. That's what I do. It's even worse. I'm like, I'm bored in my own church. It happens to all of us. I'm just putting it out there. Maybe you're all having a great time and I'm misreading the room really badly here. (laughs) But I've had lots of people say that to me. I think, though, there is a real difference between talking about going to church as in going to a church service on a Sunday and being part of the life of church. Many people in critiquing the church are really talking about a church service on a Sunday But actually a church service on a Sunday is just a church service on a Sunday. Whereas the life of church is something that goes on 24-7 throughout the week. 
And I think we need to be careful of the distinction. Are we really critiquing how we found a service, a worship experience, something like this in the moment in the room? Or are we really critiquing the whole life of church and being part of a, a community of believers? So um, tonight I'm going to be sharing with you from a book in the New Testament called Acts. And in Acts chapter 2 we read an account of when the church was started. So if you're not kind of used to being in church or listening to us, we love to preach from the Bible. And, and the Bible Bible gives us the story of God and in it we're looking at a particular time where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the followers of Jesus and the church is born. So we're going to have a little look at this. I'm going to read this to you and then we're going to jump in. So this is starting at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place. These are the followers of Jesus And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Here's a little map. It can just show you where all the different countries are that um, all the people have come from. I don't know how easy you see it. The little blue dot is Jerusalem. This is the city where the Passover, which had been celebrated 50 days before, and then the festival of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, was being celebrated. This was the city where Jesus had been uh, tried and killed during that Passover festival. And Jesus' followers were still in the city. In fact, he'd said to them, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city of Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. So these are followers of Jesus still believing in who Jesus is, the risen Messiah. They're in a room, and then this thing has happened. The Holy Spirit has come. Now, at this point, Peter then speaks to the crowd. And I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit of what he says. He says to them, guys, let me explain to you what's happened. They're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Actually, what's happened is from the prophecy of Joel, where God said, there'll be a time when I pour out my spirit on all people. This Jesus of Nazareth, who you put to death, God has raised from the dead. And then he quotes Psalm 16, a psalm in the Bible, talking about how um, the body of Jesus wouldn't be abandoned to the grave. This is what David, the psalmist, was talking about. God has raised Jesus to life. He's now at the right hand of the Father, pouring out his Holy Spirit, and then he's quotes Psalm 10. So we're going to just jump in at the next little bit. So it says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. All right, I'm getting on with it. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right. Wow, there is a lot going on there in that chapter, uh, in chapter 2. There is a lot happening and explained. Let me try and just cover some of the key things. As we talk about, is church boring? Well, maybe a church service is boring, but this picture in Acts 2 is definitely not boring. This is a very happening moment. When was the last time that you were in a church service and there was a crowd outside because it was so noisy and rabbly and causing problems that people noticed? Something was kicking off here. Actually, this was a really exciting thing. And sometimes in church circles, as we talk about this Acts 2, it can sound a little bit like the kind of gold standard. This was like, oh, back then when it was really good. Is this a bit unrealistic for us to think that we could, as a church, be like this? Is this a kind of standard we'd never get to? It was different back then. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't do anything else. Like, is that, is that fair to look at it like that? Or is that actually this is a picture of the church and actually what we can still be expressing and experiencing today? I don't know. Let's find out. All right, here we go. What does this tell us about church being not boring? Well, the first thing is unexpected. No matter how well planned we have a service with our pieces of paper, we basically don't know what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just bringing you in on a secret. Because when God shows up, anything can happen. Our problem is we can make things boring where we want to organize what God does, and we want to control what God does, and we choose what God does when it should happen and everything else. But in Acts 2, suddenly the Holy Spirit appears. Now, they have been waiting for it. They've been obedient to Jesus. But they didn't know that that was the day that it was going to happen, where suddenly something unexpected happens. And I can assure you, when unexpected things happen, boring disappears. And we get all a bit excited and curious, like, ooh, something's happening. And this is what it is. God is unexpected. We can never plan God in, but we need to be open to his spirit and what he wants to do. And we have to have a dynamic of that, an openness to life in the spirit, life doing life with God that isn't just on our terms in our way when we want it and how we want it. We need to say, God, this is your church. This is your doing. What are you doing today? It also shows that God is sovereign. That means he gets to choose what happens and when it happens. Again, as a church leader, I can't plan what God's going to do. And for us as a church, what we want to say is, God, what are you doing? And how do we track with what you're doing? How do we keep in step with what you're doing uh, rather than just trying to plan it ourselves? You see, the thing about the Holy Spirit is that he loves to manifest himself. What I mean by that is he loves to show up. He loves to turn up. As we've read in the account in Acts, this isn't the first time the Holy Spirit's turned up. In fact, right at the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning in Genesis 1, 
the very first words about the Holy Spirit. He was there brooding over the waters before creation. The Holy Spirit keeps appearing throughout the story of God and people. Why? Because the Holy Spirit loves to turn up. The Holy Spirit is God, uh, active and at work in creation and with people. The Holy Spirit anoints people, kings and priests and rulers and prophets. But now this time that was foretold by Joel is that the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all people. Everyone gets to get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit likes to turn up and to go, da-da, like that. Sometimes he's a little quieter, but he likes to. He likes you to know that he's here. He's not just this mysterious, magical thing hiding away somewhere that some people have heard of. Some people have and some people don't. The Holy Spirit is for everyone, for all of you, for everyone watching, for the whole world. The Holy Spirit to be poured out on people. And do you know what he does? He doesn't just say, hi, I'm here. And maybe, sorry I'm late. But like, he's here, he's arrived. People want to know it. Like Sometimes people come into this building, maybe not used to being in church. And they're like, what is, what's going on in here? It's this sort of vibe. Oh, I'm really teary and emotional when you sing those songs. I don't even know what those songs mean, but something's happening. We're like, oh, that's the presence of God. That's the Holy Spirit being present to us now. The Holy Spirit wants you to know that he's around. When I first came to this church, after a couple of weeks, I went on a weekend away. And we went to this place, and I went, and they did the Alpha Holy Spirit talk. Has anyone been on the Alpha Holy Spirit talk? This is a part of our Alpha course where we look at the key things of being a Christian. And this was all talking about the Holy Spirit. So there I was, and it was interesting stuff. And then what happened was, uh, the talk finished, and Dave was like, right, um, now we're going to do some ministry time. I'm like, what on earth is that? And he's like, I'm gonna, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, why don't you stand up? You know when like people ask you that question, but you like you know you should, um, and everyone stood up, and I was still sitting down. I thought, well, I don't want to look like a lemon, so I stood up as well, and did what everyone else did. I didn't know what was going on, and they started to pray, and people started falling over, like, and it started in one side of the room. I remember it was over there, and people started falling over, in right next to me, and then I stayed standing, and everyone else started falling down. So I was like the only one standing up. And I was like, what is this? And the thing was, people were like crying and seemed really sad, but they kind of seemed okay with it. They seemed quite happy. And I was like, wow, I'm, I, I didn't get any of that. Whatever that was, I didn't get any of that at all. But, you know, it's nice to see that they're having a nice time. I'll just stand here. Where, can, shall I sit down now? Well, <laughs> like just sort of climbing over bodies. Oh, it was great fun. Do you know what the thing was? I was a brand new Christian and I was full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I realized. After, I was actually completely full of the Holy Spirit. Whereas all these Christians who've been Christians for ages were like all knackered and tired and empty and sad. And they really needed a good, good dollop of the Holy Spirit. I was fine. But does it ever happen to you where the Holy Spirit comes and does his thing, but he never, do, never gets to you? Does that ever happen at all? It seems to work for everyone else, but never quite happens for me. I stand up, I do the thing with my hands. The thing is... The Holy Spirit loves to meet with us and loves to know that we're here. But one of the things is, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit manifests himself is in the church. You are sitting in a manifestation of the Holy Spirit right now. Look at each other and nod. Yes, we are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already at work in this room right now, churching. 
You are an example of that. It's happening. You are already in the ministry of the Spirit. You're already Holy Spiriting, whether you know it or not, because you are part of the church. It's birthed in the Spirit and is sustained by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. You're doing it already. You're here. It's happening. So the Holy Spirit loves to turn up and show up. But what he really loves to do is go, look at Jesus. I want to show you Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to show us Jesus. He's kind of like, I love you guys, but let me show you more of Jesus. When we pray, come Holy Spirit, we are saying, yes, Holy Spirit, we want to know you. But we're saying, I want to know more of you, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is like, great, I'm really good at that. That's the thing I love to do. It's my speciality subject. And I want to show you more of Jesus. The other thing the Holy Spirit does is release supernatural power. We see it in the beginning of that chapter. The sound of wind. Wind is a sign of the Spirit throughout the Bible. And then fire that comes and rests on people. It's a supernatural anointing. And when there's a manifestation, what it means is things happen. People change when the Holy Spirit rests on them. What happens in this example? They all start speaking different languages. Who'd have thought it of all the things? Suddenly they're jabbering away in lots and lots of different languages. It's a supernatural empowering thing. The Christian walk isn't just going to church on a Sunday. We know this, but it's a supernatural experience. And again, this is one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings is supernatural empowering. So the Holy Spirit manifests himself. He turns up, he shows up. But also he motivates us. He's motivational. He stirs us up. He changes us on the inside. Let me tell you about that. We see in this example in Acts 2 that there's a profound change in what happens to some of the key Christians in that room. Okay. Jerusalem is the city where Jesus was killed. They are followers of Jesus. They've seen Jesus rise from the dead, but they're still in a room, scared. The same people who killed Jesus are still out there. The mob that cried, crucify him, are still out there. The Holy Spirit comes, and suddenly they go from being a private meeting to a public meeting. They then start meeting in the temple courts, the very center of Jerusalem, the most public place of worship. They're then meeting there. They've been empowered to go from a hidden place to a public place. Peter, the person who denied Jesus three times and said, I don't know you, to a crowd, is now empowered by the Spirit, does the first ever church preach to a crowd, testifying, proclaiming to who Jesus is. Instead of denying him, he's now proclaiming him to people who don't know him. It's gone from a private place to a public place. It's gone from a, a place of denying, a place to proclaiming. There's an incredible empowering of God's spirit on the lives of his followers. Actually, there's a place as well where the motivation of the, of the spirit stirs us up to love Jesus more. There's a beautiful passage at the end of chapter 2. It talks about how the believers were devoted to one another. Devotion, this sense of loving one another because they have to, they've got to, they want to. They're not doing it out of duty because that's the Christian thing to do. They hadn't twigged that yet. They were doing it because they were moved and empowered by the Spirit, stirred in their love for God and working that out in their love for one another. Too many of us here doing the duty thing. You do stuff because you should, but you're lacking the devotion thing or you're doing stuff because you love him and you want to. The biggest issue for church leaders is prayer meetings. We have to do them. If we didn't, we'd be told off. But can we get anyone to them? Hardly. 
it's a challenge. And we scratch our heads. Everyone should want to pray, right? I mean, it's like the best thing ever. I mean, it's what God loves, and yet it's hard to get people along to prayer meetings. When the Holy Spirit is at work in you, it shouldn't be, shall I pray or not? It's like, how can I not pray? How can I not want to pray for the world? How can I not want to pray for my brothers and sisters? When the Holy Spirit's at work, it's, do I go to home group or not? Or do I meet with those guys? How can I not want to meet with my brothers and sisters? How can I not want to be part of this community? How can I not want to encourage them and build them up? Every day, it says, they broke bread together. Every day they met together. There was a devotion, a givenness to one another. You're like, whoa, that's a bit keen. That's a little bit full on. That's sounding like a bit full-time Christian. You know what I mean? Yeah, the deal is, as a Christian, you are a full-time Christian. Not a Sunday Christian, not a part-time, not when you can just fit in the Christian bit in between everything else. You're a 24-7 full-time Christian. But a lot of us don't live like that. The reason that this passage challenges us, because you see, oh, these are people who are stirred and moved by the Spirit. Devoted not just to God, but then devoted to one another, to meeting, to encouraging, to breaking bread, to listening to the teaching, to praying together. And God honors that and moves on it and blesses it. It's not rocket science. There's not some magic formula. But the question is, we'll only do it if we want to. And we'll only do it if we're stirred. And one of the prayers that we may need to pray as a church is not, God, fill us up. But it's God, make us hungry again for the things of you. God, we're sorry where our appetite has diminished, where we're just not hungry. We just don't care. We're just not bothered. It just doesn't affect us anymore whether we pray or not or what's going on. God, forgive us when we've got like that. We need to pray, God, would you stir our hearts again and would you make us hungry for the things of you? And may we do this out of a devotion to you and a love for others, not out of a sense of duty or because I should do. We've seen already Peter as he has spoken to this crowd that gathered hearing this noise. That there was a boldness on him as he shared. In fact, a few chapters later, Peter and John are hauled up against the the religious leaders. It says this. The leaders, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. There is a place for boldness in witnessing. There's also a place for courage in the Christian life, for people to be brave. And we don't talk about that enough, and we should do. And the thing is, there are brave people here, brave people in this church, and actually people that need boldness. We see the work of the Spirit is to actually embolden us, not to be a a manic street preacher, but to be able to witness and share to who the reality of God to people who don't know him. So there are, there are um, what I want to do, just take a pause. I just, on this moment here, if you know you need boldness, and I'm not talking about being all loud and shouty, okay? I'm talking about a Holy Spirit stirred, given boldness in order to speak of Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe there's some people here and no one knows you go to church. Or actually, whenever any of that topic comes up, you sort of skate out the way and you think, oh, actually, I don't want to hide on that. If you would love 
boldness now. I just want to invite you to stand just here in the room, and I just want to pray for you. And I'll just take a little moment to do that, and then we'll jump back in. Is there anyone where that's the thing around boldness? Then please, can you just stand with me now? Thank you. So God, we just want to pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would just release an anointing on these people here, on my brothers and sisters, Lord, that there would just be a a boldness, an inner work of your Spirit right now on them, that as they get to speak of who you are to people in their lives, the people that you've placed around them, Lord God, that there would just be an anointing on their words now to speak with, with just compassion and life and an ease. But there would be courage on you. And I pray actually there would be opportunities for you this week to be able to speak of who Jesus is in your life. And so this would be worked out for you and that you don't put this on the shelf, but this is something that you're going to step into this week. So I pray for a boldness just to rest on you and fill you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well done, everyone. Thank you. Go get them, tigers. Arr. All right. <laughs> Crikey. How are we doing? All right? All right. I'll rattle through. I've got, there's so much to talk about, and I need to go a bit faster. So I'm going to go really fast. Um, the Holy Spirit needs to motivate us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It stirs us up. Um, the Holy Spirit loves mission. That is telling the world, showing the world the goodness and the love of God. And there's lots of different ways this works. The first one is this. Uh, We see signs and wonders. Signs and wonders, again, is a Holy Spirit-empowered thing. If you don't know what signs and wonders are, it literally means miracles, things that can't happen in the natural realm, but happen. Actually, it talks about the apostles doing signs and wonders. That is, people being healed, people being delivered, and a supernatural empowering on people's lives. And again, this isn't just something for back then. This is something we believe in here in this church. We love to see. But no one can do signs and wonders. It's a Holy Spirit God thing. Now, we can participate with that. We can pray. We can ask. We can minister to one another. And it's important that we do. But the Holy Spirit is about signs and wonders and empowering that. In verse 39, it talks about salvation. Peter does his first preach, and then 3,000 people get saved. That's a nightmare for the coffee rotor. I'm just putting that one out there. Like, how many? Yeah, 3,000 cups tomorrow, please. Like, that's, a, <laughs> that's an issue. I mean, some people say, oh, I don't really believe in big church. They haven't read Acts 2. It just went to 3,000 on the first day and then kept getting bigger. Actually, we see a work of the Spirit, an empowering of the Spirit, is that people come to know Jesus. And we love it here in this church. We celebrate like mad over it to help people come to know Jesus and to do that. We're still doing that today, 2,000 years on. It's our privilege as a church. It's what we love to do. It's what we go for. And if you here are listening even tonight and with us and like, actually, yeah, you're on a spiritual journey, but you wouldn't say you're a paid up member of the Christian club, then again, just so welcome to have you here. And we really want to help you uh, discover Jesus and have a relationship with him. So salvation comes. It's it's a key part of mission. Growth happens. You've heard about the 3,000. When God is at work, things grow. When there's life, when there's health, things grow. It's not boring when things grow. It's challenging because suddenly you've got more people coming along. In fact, just over the last six months, we've had many new people to our church. We love it. And if you're one of those people, thank you so much for being with us. We love you. 
but you're a nightmare. Because the thing is, we want a place for everyone. I'm joking, you're not a nightmare. You're very special to us. But what it means for all of us is we have to make room. We have to say, yeah, you're welcome. And do you know why we have to? Because that's what God says. You're welcome. Come on in. There's more room. There's room for everyone. There's still more chairs. There's more room. Come on in. And we don't mean on a service. We mean into your houses, around your meal tables, joining in at your parties, catching up with you in the park, lunches, things, praying for you, WhatsApps, phone messages, encouragements, emails, going on holiday, walking with people through difficult stuff. That's what we're talking about. That's the newcomer's thing. That's what's going on. That's what you're invited to do. It's the work of the Spirit. Come and be part of this. Come and be part of the life of church. Of course you're bored if all you're doing is sitting in a church on a Sunday for an hour. That isn't how it is. With the Holy Spirit, it's a 24-7 full life thing. There's a generosity that we see in verse 45. When there's need, people are giving generously. They're selling their possessions. They're being radically generous. When was the last time you were radically generous? When was the last time you were more generous than you wanted to be? It feels good. It's costly. But it releases blessing. Actually, I know you're an incredibly generous church. I'm not preaching that at you that you're not. I'm saying you are that, and I bless that. But we see this picture, this is a Holy Spirit-empowered generosity when people are only they're doing as part of their worship in loving God, is giving back to him. And not even repaying him, but just resonating with the love of God and saying, God, I love you so much. I want to give this to you. I want to give this and serve the poor. I want to care for those in need. I want to meet the needs of others. That's another thing. You see it caring for one another, meeting the needs of people. It's a Holy Spirit-empowered thing. Now, I'm not saying that Christianity has an exclusive thing on caring for people or being generous. But what I'm saying is this is a picture of the church that is empowered by the Spirit of God. And as we're empowered, we move to that. And with the fellowship as well, again, the, the choosing to be together, that going to a home group shouldn't be a burden or a midweek thing. Oh, gosh, it's Tuesday night. They're coming in half an hour. Oh, no. It can feel like that sometimes. I get that. But this is the place where it's saying, as as the Spirit is moving, we long to be with one another, to encourage one another, and meet with one another. And this is all part of the mission of loving the world and loving each other as well at the same time. I don't know if you think when you come to church, I wonder what it's going to be like tonight. Do you think that? I hope it's going to be good. A bit of a rubbish week. Need a good church top-up. One of the questions is, do you come to church thinking, what can I give God tonight? Because really, that's what it's about. Actually, I'm here to worship God and to give to him. That's the first thing I'm here to do. Whether the worship band sing the songs I like, whether it's the preacher I like or not, actually, God, I'm here to offer myself to you again to worship you, to give to God, and to bless him. Maybe the reason that our church can be boring is that we're boring. Our Christianity is a bit boring. Would you want someone else to have the kind of Christianity thing that you've got? I wouldn't worship upon my worst enemy. (laughs) But it's true. Are we a bit boring? Honestly, have we actually lost touch with what it means to be dynamically living in a a love relationship with God and being full of that. 
I'm saying this to myself, guys. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying: is is there a boringness? Because actually, we've not made it uh, dangerous and vital and vibrant enough. And I don't just mean getting excited on a Sunday. I mean in how we do life with one another and how we're empowered by the Spirit to live for Him. You know, Jesus hasn't saved you just so you can come and sit on a seat on Sunday. That just wasn't his plan. He had no intention about that at all. (laughs) If that's the pinnacle of your Christian thing, we've really got it well wrong. Jesus has called you to love him and to know him and to go as deep as you possibly can with that. And that in itself is an adventure and it's hard and it's challenging and it's wonderful and it's deep and it's all those things. And actually, we get to express something as we gather together as church. And I wouldn't miss it at all. I love our gathering together where we can encourage one another and build one another up. But if it's all about Sundays, we've missed it. And so I want to say to you, it's really important for us as a church community that this is a safe place. A place where people can come and be known and belong and do life with people. And I really hope that that is your experience, that you can have friendships. You can actually find healing and grace. You can find a covering, a mercy where things are not so good. And that is a real experience for you. But also church needs to be more than that. It needs to be a place of challenging, of calling out. A place where there's something unexpected because God's around and we don't know what's going to happen. A well-known Christian rapper once wrote a rap. It's read something like this. It's early in the morning and we're yawning. Wonder who's preaching. Hope it's not boring. Come on, everyone. It's time to wake up. It's time for a Holy Spirit shake-up. Because Jesus is alive and he's here now, pouring out peace, new life, and his power. Because when the king is here, anything can happen. So come on, everyone, and get your praise on. All right, I wrote that. Um, It's the only... (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're too kind. I could have done it faster, you know. I have been practicing. Is it boring? Or when the king is here, anything can happen. Actually, is the Holy Spirit with you when you meet in your friends, your group, whatever you get up to? Is the Holy Spirit at work? Is he empowering you? Is he helping you to be bold, to be brave, to be kind, to be generous, to be merciful, to be forgiving, to be outrageous with the love of God? That's what it means, following Jesus in the power of the Spirit. So I want to pray for a couple of people. And we're going to have a chance to just welcome the Spirit of God. And again, just ask that God would fill us and renew us and do whatever he wants to do. But I want to do a little shout out to a couple of people. And one is my man Jojo on the front. Yes, Jonas Askew, sitting on the front row. Jonas, it's so great to see you here this evening. And if you don't know Jonas, Jonas is awesome. He's probably the youngest person here, bar that baby. And um, Jonas, you have loads of energy, don't you? Jonas is the kind of guy that if you're going to go upstairs, why use the stairs? Just climb up the other bits to get upstairs. I mean, he's got more energy than most of you. And sometimes that can be a bit of a handful. But I tell you what, Jonas, there's someone who had a load of energy in the Bible called Paul. And he said he worked really hard to love the church and to encourage people and build people up. And he said, and I do it with the energy that God gives me that's working in my body. And actually for you, you're a little energy guy. 
And God's saying, actually, your energy is a gift. It's something that actually he's given you. And actually, you can use it for all sorts of things. But one of the things that God might be saying, I'm encouraging you, you're going to be using your energy to build up people, build up people, to encourage people, maybe to build up the church. And that's a gift. So, Jonas, I want to bless you, even though mum's like, oh, my gosh, now pray for more energy. <laughs> actually, Jonas, I thank God for you that you've, you've got a gift of energy. And that is from God. And I pray that, yeah, as you grow into that, that God will show you how to use it for his glory. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, yeah, bravery. There's some brave people here. And I feel like I just need to acknowledge it. And actually, I want to call it out. And what I mean is, um, brave doesn't mean that people go around being brave. It's when they face the things that are difficult but they do it with a bravery and a courage. And so I just want to name some people, but it may well be that you don't feel very brave, generally, people here. And I want to pray there be an empowering of God's Spirit on you for bravery. So Mel, I, I acknowledge your bravery. Anna, I acknowledge your bravery. Sam, you're someone who's, God sees you're a brave man. And... I'm sure there's other people that I, I know are here that are brave. There's something that God sees about you, that he loves. And if ever there's a time we need brave people, it's now. So if that's you, and I've not named you, that's okay. But maybe you just want to put your hand on your heart if you know that's a thing. And I'm just going to pray. And then I'm going to invite some people up as well if they want to share anything as we go into some ministry. But God, thank you that um, you call us out. You don't tell us to play safe, but you call us out. And I want to pray, Lord, that for people who are brave, people are having to show a bravery, people who've walked in that, Lord, that there's a spirit on them about bravery. I pray they call that out of other people. And I pray for you tonight, if you are feeling, actually, I really need that. I don't feel brave at all. But God, that you would just empower them now to live for you and to know and be aware of the, the work of your spirit on their life. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, guys, I'm going to get you to stand. We are going to just pray, and we're coming into land on that. I don't know if anyone else wants to come up. If there's anything to share, then please join me out in the front. Otherwise, this is simply what I want to do. I just want to welcome the Holy Spirit again to come and rest on us. It will go a bit quiet in the room, and we just want to wait, and we just want to say, God, would you come and, and meet with us again? As we've been singing, as we've heard about, we just ask for the Spirit of God to come. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're alive and you're here now, pouring out new life and your power. Yeah, when the King is here, anything can happen, and we welcome you, Spirit of God, in this room. We say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God, now. Just rest on us. Again, come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, man, that's you, man.